this mentality is the way that you can show up as the savior in your marriage. Like Christ is the ultimate healer. He would take people who are hurting physically, mentally, emotionally, and he would heal them. And I think that the purpose of marriage is to make us more Christ-like. It's to make us a better people, help us to grow into the best version of ourselves. And that requires us to access a very altruistic side of ourselves. It requires us to set aside the carnal desires to be right. And there's something special and it's really, it's, this is not an easy thing for me to do, but there's something to be said about literally embodying the role of the savior in your marriage by acting as the healer and binding the emotional wounds of your partner when they're experiencing them instead of just holding on to your pride and needing to be right. Another episode of The Coldra Hall means an opportunity for me to be able to talk with great guests that can hopefully improve each of our lives. Now, whether or not you're married, I don't think it matters for this particular episode. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking it's literally with a couple who do the Mormon Marriages podcast. But I want you to do something. I want you to listen to this episode for what it is as we work with our partner to be able to forgive, to be able to work and have better relationships. Sure, I want you to see that for the surface level. That's very much how I intended this episode to be. All right? Then, or if you're not married, or if you just want to listen with both ears, I guess, if I can put it that way, I want you to listen and see what principles you feel like apply as we work for forgiveness with God to be forgiven. It was a thing that I, it, it honestly, I'll be, I'll be completely transparent with you doing the episode, recording it. I did not think a single thing about that going back and listening to slash editing the episode. I went, Hey, Hey, there is more that applies to this for each individual listener than I ever could have imagined. So I hope that uh, you'll listen with those ears, whatever those are and whatever ears are. I know what ears are back off. You know what I meant? Whatever those intentions. You, you listen. I'm not going to explain it. I feel like, I, I feel like you got it. So just listen to this episode of the Cultural Hall. It's time for another episode of the Cultural Hall. Uh, it is Nate and Angeline Bagley. We're talking about forgiveness. We're introducing them in a really loud, obnoxious voice. I'm not sure I'm doing that. Let me calm down just a little <laughs> I bit. I like it. I like no, it. Listen, I, I was very excited, and now I've used all of my energy. Uh, we already know <laughs> about Nate. You can listen back to episode 208 where we get to know uh, Nate. I love that I'm already rhyming in this. That sounds great. Oh, I'm doing it some more. Uh, But Angela, he's on a roll. Before we get into forgiveness, before we get into the Mormon Marriages podcast, which is uh, the podcast that you guys do, uh, I know that you were going to pivot into the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints Marriages, but it's just too big to fit into Apple Podcasts. Yeah. Uh, Tell me about you, Angela. Who are you? What? Where are you from? What's your deal? Try and match, Richie, match Richie's energy level. All righty. I can't do that. I'm not <laughs> even going to try. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'm going to lean back right now. Okay, there it is. Perfect. Tell me, tell me about yourself. Well, I am Nate's wife. I am a nurse. I work at Riverton Hospital right now. And Now, there are uh, lots of kinds of nurses, so you're going to have to be specific. Are you like a, a NICU nurse or like an so ER nurse? Or? I work in adult med surge and ICU, so okay. I take care of... Really, anyone who's over the age of eighteen that's going to stay in the hospital is going to be on my floor. Okay. So whether they're whether they're just not well enough to go home or whether they're critically ill, they're going to stay on my floor. Okay. So I see anything and everything, which is 
really fascinating because I get bored really easy and need a lot of variety. So I get that. I'm glad she gets it at floor. work and not from yeah, her no, at home. Like, I'm not required to give her the variety. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. No, yeah, I've been doing that. That's the other husband's, Nate. Don't worry about it. That's where the variety yeah. comes from. That's, that's my other variety. <laughs> but yeah, I've been doing that for seven years now and love it. And marrying Nate gave me this whole new passion for marriages and helping people have really awesome marriages. So that's... How long have you guys been married for? Almost Not long year, enough. Almost four years. Okay. Okay. In August, it'll be four years. And we've got our first child on the way. How, baby girl coming. How uh, how's that been? First time parents. I've I've heard it's just insane. Like once you get the first one down, it's like oh no, this is sort of what we can expect. We're we're anticipating lots of change and lots of growth. So yeah. we're we're really excited. we're leaning into it and excited about it. <laughs> Already, pregnancy has brought a new dynamic to the relationship that we've been able to learn a lot from like are we talking like the those stereotypical like tv hormones that we're talking about or like oh yeah those exist yeah Yeah, honestly i don't you you hear about it growing up and then when you finally experience it it's there's no preparing yourself for it you just feel like a completely different person i'm i'm learning a new normal and it's it's definitely put its toll on our relationship and in the fact that it's given us new things to learn yeah. <laughs> like spending three- I, I, I love that this is the diplomatic way of being like it's provided opportunities <laughs> it's to, we've had to, to i mean grow. we've had there's been chances. a lot of peaks and a lot of valleys yeah, exactly you know? exactly spending three months vomiting is not ideal when it comes to feeling like yourself or mm. being patient with your husband so yeah, there's a lot of things about a pregnancy that I don't think either one of us expected. And so that's been the, the hard part is just like, you know, Angeline's like when they said morning sickness, I didn't realize that it was like constant nausea and that they didn't wear off after morning or yeah. like I didn't realize that, you know, there's the parent. We had a miscarriage before this. We got pregnant with this baby. Sorry to hear that. And thank you. Um, and there's like this whole paranoia of like, I can't see anything. Is it like, is everything still working? Okay. And right. so there's like the anxiety of that. Yeah. And that, that is like a fun new experience. And fun. <laughs> um, just like learning to deal with it or like the fact that growing a human in your body requires tons of energy. And, you know, we're used to like having these routines in our marriage and these habits and Angela just takes care of certain things. And I take care of certain things. And then I start coming home and I'm like, why aren't you doing things? you know? And she's like, cause I'm exhausted. And I'm like, Oh yeah, you're growing a baby. I'm not used to this. Like, and so like, we've had to navigate some, some new terrain, but I think we've handled it really well and it hasn't always been super easy, but it's always been fulfilling. And then throw into it a pandemic, right? Like let's, yeah, that's let's, yeah. let's have that just be kind of another thing. Uh, you know, the health concerns that would be yeah. going around to your appointments to, uh, you know, the fact that you're a nurse working in the hospital where I would presume, though I don't know, yeah. people with COVID have gone to the hospital yes. that you you work in. So there's that extra yes. level of anxiety. Uh, how did you two meet, Angeline? Nate, you have to butt out for a minute. I'm done. I'm out. Well, we met in a singles ward, stereotypically. Okay. We, I had just gotten back from my mission. Where'd you serve? And I served in Honduras. Okay. So Spanish, San Pedro right? Sula East. Yep. Okay. And uh, I came home and started going to the ward and there was this guy there who uh, was very loud and obnoxious. And Wait, I was funny. in your ward? <laughs> Wait a minute. I was in your ward. Okay. It's been a while. But... 
just very extroverted and coming back, I was very introverted. And so Nate was someone that I just automatically wrote off as this is not someone who I'm interested in. But uh, then a few months later, we went to a state camp out and there was a dance and I love dancing, even though I am very introverted. If you get me on the dance floor, I kind of come out of my shell and turn into this whole new Angeline and there weren't very many people dancing and Nate loves to dance. And so he started dancing with me and I don't know what came over me, but I just turned to him and winked and he felt he like melted to the floor (laughs) and I was like, Oh no, what did I just do? And that just kind of sparked this uh, interest to where we started to get to know each other from then on. Interest on my part, less of an interest on her part, (laughs) friendship on her part, friendship on my part, but we became really good friends first and then eventually started dating after that. But it's a, it's a really long story, but well, and, but at that point, uh, Nate's sort of doing what he does now, right? Talking about relationships and, and, and all that. Was there any sort of fear either going into it that you're like, Oh, there's a, this is a guy that knows a bunch about it or is always going to want to be talking about all these things and you're an introverted person or was there also a fear that like, man, if I get in a relationship with this guy, he's not going to shut up about all of our private things. Right. So initially he kind of became this off limits person because he was the love guru. And I thought he would have unrealistic expectations of a relationship. And instead of becoming romantically interested in him, I just would go to him for dating advice. And so anytime I needed advice with guys, I would go talk to Nate about it. And let me ask you this. Hang on. I'm bookmark it right there. Nate, were you like, nah, he's terrible. Yeah. You're definitely going to want (laughs) to, you're definitely going to want to dump him regardless of what he did, regardless of what that guy said. You're like, no, forget it. There's someone better for you out there. I, if I'm, if I'm really honest, I had just come out of, I had been engaged before I met Angeline Mm -hmm. and called off the engagement. And I was like really crystal clear after that, uh, after that relationship failed, that I did not want to get into a relationship with anybody that I had to convince to be in the relationship with me. Right. I, I needed to be their choice. So like, yeah, there, I had my eye on her for a while and we were like really good friends and I was always curious, but unless she was like, yeah, I'm down. I wasn't going to be the guy who was like, please date me. I need you to love me. Yeah. So most of the time, if she was genuinely interested in a guy, like I wanted her to be happy as, as altruistic as that sounds. And um, that's true. Like I wanted her to, to find a guy that she could work things out with. And just so happened that down the road, it was me. Nice. It's a very sweet story, actually. Well, honestly, it was, well, it was that attitude that he took that I think drew me to him Mm -hmm. because he, after talking to him and getting lots of advice from him, I realized he didn't have unrealistic expectations, but rather had probably the most realistic expectations out of anyone that I'd known. And the fact that he wasn't like trying so hard to get me to date him for some reason intrigued me even more. Sure. Um, and I found myself really drawn to him and tried to convince myself on many occasions that I didn't want to date him because I was scared. But once he, once he let me make that choice, it became my choice. Mm-hmm. And then it was easy from then on out, but it was, initially making that choice of okay i'm actually want to try this i want to give this a try so did he make you have the outright conversation where it's like okay you're going to need to tell me that you want me 
This one, this one wink melty thing isn't going to work. I'm going to need you to use your words, Angeline, and tell me that I am desired by you. How did that? How'd you make the transition from dating guru friend to hey, let's try this? Well, he. <laughs> this is a funny story. He asked me on a few dates, and I went on a few dates with him. Uh-huh. And then my response to being scared in relationships before was just to ghost people. Uh-huh. And so that's exactly what I did to Nate. I just stopped talking to him. I stopped answering his texts. I stopped answering his phone calls. And then one day it was after church, I think he cornered me mm. and was like, Hey, so we were going on these dates. I thought we were having fun. Um, I'm not going to beg you to date me because there are plenty of the girls who want to date me. Baller. Look at that. But <laughs> he was like, he was like, I just need to know, do you want to keep going this or do you want to be friends? Cause I'm totally fine if you want to be friends. And I said, well, I don't know. I'm scared. You know, I had my sob story of, I didn't want to hurt him. I was afraid I'd hurt him. And he was like, you're not that big of a deal that you would ruin my life. Oh, you didn't decide to date me. I'm not recommending this approach. Sure. But it definitely worked for me because I was like, oh, all right. Pressure's off. Yeah. And after that conversation, we gave it some, like, she's like, oh, I don't know what I want. I was I said, like, okay, I'm done. I, I just want to be friends. We're friends. Like, all right. So I went out and started dating another girl. And then a few weeks later, Angela, <laughs> the trigger was I got a phone call from a, a, a lady who was like, hey, I want to set you up with this really amazing girl. And I'm like, okay, tell me more. And she's like, her name is Amy. And I said, Amy what? And she's like, Amy Bennett. Turns out it's Angeline's sister, her older sister. <laughs> and so I, I hit up Ange and I'm like, hey, babe, uh, or not babe yet. Yeah. Hey, Ange. Hey, future babe. Uh, <laughs> I know you're still kind of like on the fence here and you don't know what you want, but um, somebody's trying to set me up with your sister and I'm inclined to go out because you have kind of said you're not interested. Uh, I just wanted to clear that. I wanted you to hear it from me and not from somebody else. And she goes, but I don't want you to go out with my sister. And I'm like, why not? And she's like, because I, I like you. And I'm like, as a friend or as more than a friend? And she's like, I don't know. <laughs> and I'm like, well, you better figure it out pretty quick or I'm going to call your sister. And she's like, well, let's, let's try going on a couple more dates. And then from there it was over. Yeah. The rest of the That was when history. I realized, okay, this is a really great opportunity. If my sister ends up with this guy, I'm going to be pissed. <laughs> and I, whether it's my sister or somebody else, if I don't jump on this now, I'm going to lose the opportunity and yeah. I'll always wonder. So yeah. That was the catalyst. And after that, it was pretty quick. We'd been friends for like eight months or so at this point. And once we started dating, we got engaged, I think it was months four later. months later. Yeah, it was really fast. So. Yeah, eight months is forever in uh, in church talk, in church yeah, It's true, is. to not actually be dating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and a good point, too, because if he would have gone on a date with your sister, like you can't go back from that. Right. Yeah, it's, it's a little, true. There's hard, hard to retreat, pedal backwards from that one. <laughs> uh, let's take a break. The rest of this episode is going to be about forgiveness, uh, something that uh, both Nate and Angeline have never done a podcast about. I challenged them to come up with something um, that, that we could talk about that would be interesting for everybody listening, that would be very applicable always, but certainly during the time that we spend lots of time together, there needs to be copious amounts of forgiveness, but really want to dive into uh, what you guys have learned about forgiveness, how people can kind of tap into that, and, and, and if maybe there are times that people can't or shouldn't be forgiven. We'll get into that in the second and third blocks of the cultural hall. <laughs> 
Hey, this is Dan the Laptop Man from PC Laptops. It's our ultra-mega back-to-school blowout sale. We have hundreds of thousands of dollars of ultra-high-quality laptops and desktops on sale for up to 50% off the original prices. We've got demos, scratch and dents, trade-ins, and funny colored computers. It's crazy! Remember, you get a lifetime service guarantee on any PC Laptops brand computer. That means if you mess up your Windows or you get a virus or spyware, it's covered forever. Got an old yucky computer? No problem. We'll take it in on trade and we'll transfer all your pictures, music, and all your stuff to your PC Laptops computer for free. When you get your computer from PC Laptops, we'll make sure you're taken care of for a lifetime. To make it impossible to resist, we're doing 12 months special financing on any PC Laptops desktop or laptop computer. Have I lost my mind? Get into any one of our locations right now or check us out at PCLaptops.com. PC Laptops, where computers start at $7.99. PC Laptops, we love you. Time for the second block of the Cultural Hall. Do not forget, you can become a Patreon saint of the Cultural Hall by going to patreon.com slash theculturalhall, and uh, you can pledge 3 5 or $10 uh, to help the Cultural Hall continue to go on. We saint you. We make you saintlyhood, <laughs> saintliness. I'm not sure how that, I'll ask my Catholic friends how that works, but it's a Patreon saint of the Cultural Hall, and it gets you to be a part of that secret, not sacred Facebook group that all Patreon saints are able to be a part of. So go to patreon.com slash the Cultural Hall. All right, Nate and Angeline, let's talk forgiveness. I'll let you guys cue it up however you feel like uh, would be the best way to talk about it. I know everybody oh. needs forgiveness. I know yeah. I am terrible about it in a lot of respects. So I'll let you guys kind of take it away and I'll just poke questions when I have them. Well, and when you say the word forgiveness, it's such a broad topic. And so what we're hoping to talk about in this episode is just thinking about it in a new way that makes it a little bit easier to put into your relationships. So so let me get some context. Can I get some context? Yes. Um so anybody who gets married at some point or another, you're going to hurt each other's feelings. Yeah. Like you're going to say something with the wrong tone. You're going to presume something that you shouldn't have presumed. Something's going to happen that hurts your husband's feelings or your wife's feelings, makes them withdraw, pull back, feel bad, whatever. Um, cause a little bit of friction, make you feel less connected. And the problem that I see over and over and over in couples is that if you don't heal those little wounds, they build up over time. Mm-hmm. And, and what you do, like if you think physiologically, what, what you do when something hurts you, like if you touch the, put your hand on the stove or prick your finger on the need, needle or a ball is flying at your face, like your natural instinct is to pull away from the thing that could cause you harm. Sure. And psychologically, we do the same thing. If your partner mm-hmm. causes you harm, you pull away from them. You create some distance to protect yourself, to create a little bit of a buffer so you don't get hurt again. Mm-hmm. And I see, like, I see these couples who over years or decades – have had these hurts and these little teeny tiny flinches where they just pull away and create a little bit more space. And then, you know, after a decade or two, they look at their marriage and they're like standing on opposite sides of the Grand Canyon. And they're like, how did we get so disconnected? Like, I barely feel like I know you anymore because you've got this armor on or you just feel so distant from me. What happened? And I think what happens is that we don't repair these wounds. Like we don't, we have the tools to heal each other, but we don't. And so that's kind of what I think, we would like to talk about today is what, what is the process that you go through to kind of remove those wounds so you can get back to being close together. So you can take off the armor and, you know, counteract that flinch that pull that instinctually pulls you away from your partner and get back to being close and connected. 
Well, it's in, it's interesting because it seems almost counterintuitive what you're saying, right? I, I It's funny that you kind of couch it like this because my first marriage, anyone who's listened to the Cultural Hall knows that it was a disaster of a train wreck of two disasters and <laughs> 10 train wrecks, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, when I was looking at dating again and potentially even getting married again, which I am and it's great. I equated it to a lot of people when they were like, well, you guys have been dating a while. Why haven't you gotten married this for the second time? And I was like, imagine it like this. You know, if marriage is a light socket, the last time I stuck my finger into that light socket, I thought this was terrible. It, you know, it, it's going to hurt me. I'm not going to want to do this again. And now this new person, although, you know, lots of differences, et cetera, et cetera, still looks like a light socket. And what you're asking me to do is forgive, forgo everything that I knew before and stick my finger into that light socket and expect a different result than what I got before. And then finally, I just was like, you know what? I'm not going to have this opportunity. I'll leap. And it's been fantastic. But I think mm-hmm. that I think that's the hardest part. To be able to forget how we were before and think that they might, there might be a different result if we do it again. Exactly. Sure. And again, those things happen in your marriage. Maybe the same things happen over and over again. And you just start to lose hope that things are ever going to change. And with this idea of forgiveness, what it requires is a shift in the way that you look at your apology. Now, an apology isn't just saying, I'm sorry. What we've tried to do in our marriage is we use an apology instead of an admission of doing something wrong, you use it as an opportunity to heal your partner. So when you say, I'm sorry, you're not saying I did wrong. I'm the guilty one here. You're saying, let me heal you from this hurt that you have acquired, even if it was unintentional on your part. Because a lot of the time when we hurt our partner, it's 100% unintentional. Mm -hmm. You didn't mean to do it. And so when the other person's hurt and they just want you to just say, sorry, the knee jerk reaction is, well, I didn't do anything wrong. Right. Why would I say sorry? if I, I didn't do, I mean, I can see why you perceived it that way, but that's not what I meant. And then it becomes this whole argument of, well, so, full so, of ego so like rubbing you know. salt on the wound. So model for me how that sounds differently then. Cause I, I don't know that I would be able to like conceptually, I think I'm a little dim. Yeah. You guys both know that. Uh, I think conceptually, I sort of connect to it, but I don't know how I would ever put that into place. Yeah. So let's tell a story. Okay. Let's we give can, an example okay. from our marriage. So um, last year, this is one of my favorite stories of how this how this works out. Um, last year, Angeline had been really thoughtful. She noticed that I was putting on some. Um, LBs. Okay, I need to interject here. <laughs> this was not my idea. It was my idea. Nate came to me asking for help. I'm like, Ange, I'm fat. I'm putting on weight. I want to be healthy. Can you, can you help? Like, like, let's create a meal plan. Like, let's get a little bit more intentional about what we eat. And she went gangbusters. She's amazing. Like she researched healthy foods and diets and was like meal planning and batching cooking and creating all these really healthy meals. And we were cutting out carbs and we were cutting out sugar and I was losing weight. I probably lost like 25 pounds and it was amazing, mm-hmm. but we had to be kind of strict with what we were eating. And then, um, an opportunity came around for me. I, I took her on a date. I'm like, I'm going to plan a s- super sick date night for Ange. So we're going to go to a corn maze. I'm going to let her lead the way through the maze. And like, I'm just going to be a passenger and let her take charge. Cause she'll, she'll love that. And then afterwards we're going to go to her favorite Thai restaurant. We're going to get some Thai food and it's going to be amazing. So we go, the corn maze is perfect. It's fun. Uh, we leave the corn maze, we jump in the car we, and I surprise her by taking her to her favorite Thai restaurant. And she's all excited and we sit down to order 
And um, I ordered my food and I asked for rice with my food. And at the time, we're just like not eating rice. Mm -hmm. And immediately when I asked for rice, I just saw this look on Angela's face of like, like I, I had stabbed her. Mm. Uh, like you could just see the pain, if that makes sense. And I'm like, what did I do? And she's like, are you really going to eat that? And I'm like, well, yeah, I'm not going to eat curry without rice. Like that's just soup. I mean, I, technically I, that's a sin. If there are seven deadly, <laughs> that's like eighth level, like telestial sin. But yeah, man, I digress. <laughs> It's like eating pizza without cheese. Right. Like you right. just don't do it. Right. Um, and so she was really hurt that I had sat basically like she put all this effort and time and energy into planning our meals and making sure we were eating healthy. And to her, this was me just giving her the middle finger and being like, I don't care about your work. Mm. And on, on my side, I'm sitting there going, I just planned an amazing date for you. And we're at your favorite restaurant and I'm just going to have a little bit of rice. I don't see what the big deal is. Mm. And so I'm butt hurt. And she's butthurt. And the entire restaurant can feel the tension. Like the <laughs> server comes to our table and goes, can I get you guys anything else? And we go, no. And she's like, okay, bye. And runs off. It Good was, luck with your marriage. See ya. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we ate that dinner in like a steely silence. Uh. And it was rough. But neither of us had intended to hurt the other person's feelings. But This we, is a perfect example of that. Because honestly, how big of a, an offense is eating rice with your curry? None, but it's but, not. It, but it ruined the evening. And yeah. if no reparations are made, like that evening right. blends into the next day, which blends into the next week, month, etc. Right. right. And Nate didn't realize the extent of which that hurt me. I think, I think my little passive aggressive comments might have just irritated him a little bit. Mm -hmm. But I don't think he realized just how much it hurt me, even though it was 100% unintentional on his part. He didn't, he didn't do anything wrong. Like, let's just make that clear. He didn't do anything wrong. And it's easy when it comes to hurting our partner, when we don't do something that others would view as wrong, it's hard to see how it would hurt someone so badly. Right. But because we had talked about this before, we talked about using an apology to heal your partner versus an admission of guilt, I think Nate was a little more inclined once we got into the car to be like, hey, honey, I can tell that really hurt you. Can you help me understand yeah. what just went down? So so basically the flint, that flinch occurred. There was space between Angela and I all throughout dinner and we get in the car and I have this thought and I'm like, we can either, I can either let this sit and we can be mad at each other and ruin the entire night and maybe wake up tomorrow and still be mad at each other. And then at the end of the week, have like bitter feelings towards each other, even though we don't even remember why we're mad at each other. Like right. a lot of people do, or I can see that my partner is hurting and I can take into context. Okay. I can probably help ease that pain. If I just can try and understand what made what, what's, what's hurting her. And so we got in the car and I'm like, talk to me, babe. Like you're obviously upset. I want to, I want to understand. And then it comes out. She's like, I've just been working so hard to help you be healthy and help me be healthy. And it's important to me that you don't die of diabetes or heart disease. And, you know, and, and like I put all these hours into it. And, and when you ate that rice, it just felt like you didn't care. Mm. And I'm like, Oh, so I didn't do anything wrong. But at the same time, I have an opportunity here to like validate your experience. And I can sit down and go, I totally see why that would be frustrating for you. I get it. Like if I had put tons of time and energy into planning meals for us and then you had gone out and eaten a piece of cake or something like that, I would have probably been hurt too. Like I could totally understand that. I am so sorry that I, that, that I did that. Like I, I, I did not mean to throw 
all of your hard work and thoughtfulness into in your face. Mm. And I could just see this burden get lifted off her shoulders. And then she's like, why are you upset? That's the coolest thing about doing this is that oftentimes once you feel like you've been healed a little bit, your inclination is to heal the person next to you. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I just thought that I had been an awesome husband today. And I was like scoring brownie points and taking to your favorite restaurant. And then you were just angry. And I was like, don't I get any credit for like, not that I'm doing this for credit, but I'd like some acknowledgement or appreciation that I planned something cool for you. And it seems like all you had was just negative. And she's like, I totally get it. I did make too big of a deal out of the rice. I'm sorry. Like, let's go make the best. Let's go grab some ice cream or, or we probably didn't do that because of the food situation, but <laughs> let's go, let's go do something to like, to cap off the night and make it fun and, and, and shift the mood of the evening. And then like the thing that could have driven people nuts for days or at least hours, we resolved in a matter of minutes. Right. And it's because I don't need to be right. And Angeline doesn't need to be right. What we care more about is if you're suffering and I have the tools to heal you, I'm going to do that. Like I'm going to get, I'm not going to stand in the hospital room while you're suffering with my morphine in my hand and go, mm, I don't feel like I caused that wound. So I'm just going to hold the morphine in my hand and not, not give it to you. Right. But I, I mean, that's a, that's a very exaggerated example with the morphine in the hospital, yeah. but I think that there are a lot of people that do like they make it as far as the well, listen, babe, what was the thing that upset you so much? Well, you know, I worked really hard and then you ate that rice. And then I think the most common response, I think we get that far. But then I think we go, no, that's stupid. It was rice. It was rice, yeah. you dummy. I'm not. Yeah. What? No, it's it's rice. Get over it. Right. And honestly, this is it's a huge perspective shift mm -hmm. and it takes a lot of practice. And it takes um, noticing in that moment that, okay, I can either be the villain here or I can be the hero here. And I can either stick with my ego and not give the morphine, I guess you could say, or I can be the hero and I can heal my partner. And it does take a lot of practice to get to that point. Tell us how we do that, Nate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah please. I, I just feel like this is exactly what Angela is saying here is like, this mentality is the way that you can show up as the savior in your marriage. Huh. Like Christ is the ultimate healer. He would take people who are hurting physically, mentally, emotionally, and he would heal them. And I think that the purpose of marriage is to make us more Christ-like. It's to make us a better people, help us to grow into the best version of ourselves. And that requires us to access a very altruistic side of ourselves. It requires us to set aside the carnal desires to be right. And there's something special and it's really, it's, this is not an easy thing for me to do sure. or, and I think she's better at yeah. it than I am, but there's something to be said about literally embodying the role of the savior in your marriage by acting as the healer and binding the wound, the emotional wounds of your partner when they're experiencing them, instead of just holding onto your pride and needing to be right, mm -hmm. like, or diminishing the pain. Like Christ never came to somebody and said like, Oh, that that's it it's just come a on. little leprosy come right. on yeah <laughs> you still got nine of your ten fingers exactly. i didn't cause this this isn't my problem right you're you're just blind you got all your other senses what yeah. are you complaining about why can't you be grateful you can smell still pal sure yeah. i mean and that, that sounds that sounds ridiculous but i mean i think in in a way that is very much what it, it seems that we're saying to our partners when we don't allow them that opportunity to um feel heard to feel validated to yeah to, you know, to be healed. Interesting. So there, okay. go ahead. You, I want to hear from you. I was just going to say, so, so obviously we talk about like the carnal or natural man so much within, uh, 
within the church, within the scriptures, etc. I think that that is where we're far more inclined to be like, no, it's stupid. It was rice. Get over it, Ange. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You get, you've given us a great example. Perhaps uh, maybe we can surround it in some steps because I think I'd be like, of course I want to heal my partner. I love this person more than anything in the world. And then she's like, yeah, you ate rice. And I'd be like, stupid. I don't care. It's rice. It's rice. Yeah. Get over it. Oh, no, wait. I needed to let my ego. Uh, okay. I want to be the healer for a thing and then be like, and you left the light switch on. That was stupid. It doesn't matter that I left the light switch on. <laughs> you know, idealistically, I think I, I'm there. Altruistically, I think I'm there. In practice, I'm not there at any means. Is right. there guidance that you have that would, yes. that yes. would help us to be like, Here's a an exercise to go through. This is my favorite thing to do is make these principles practical. Cool. So definitely have uh, uh, some steps to take you through. Um, sorry, if you want to, I can tell I you. I was going to say one of the first things you can implement to create this culture in your relationship is to have a time set apart, whether it's weekly or whether it's nightly or however you want to do it where you have like a companionship inventory. I was just going to say that sounds very missionary-like. Very missionary-like. You can sit down and you can have these moments specifically where you're both prepared to have some grievances aired. And that way you're you're not caught off guard. You know that things are going to come out and you can prep yourself beforehand to go through these steps in your mind, which which we'll outline for you so that it's not... Instead of having those knee-jerk reactions in the moment, you can you can separate yourself from it a little bit. And once you get in this habit of doing that, then you'll notice in those moments, it starts to become your first reaction versus the reaction that takes so much effort to get to. So what is your what is your guys's companionship inventory look like? Is it nightly? Is it weekly? How do you how do you prep so we, for it? How do you do it? We try and do it weekly. I think nightly would be a little, maybe too much. We do have like mini ones nightly. Like we do almost every night we get in bed and talk about like, you know, what are the, what are the things you love most about me today? Or like, what are the things you're most grateful for today? And those are just opportunities to like connect and have meaningful conversations. But when we, when we have conversations about like what we want to do better and how we can improve, um, those typically happen like on a Sunday and we'll sit down and we'll recap the week and talk about what went well. We always start with a celebration, like something positive that we can acknowledge each other for. We try and catch each other doing good things that make each other's lives better because gratitude is like freaking, I don't know, steroids for love. It's amazing. Um, and then we get into the question of, okay, what could we do better next week? Or did I do anything that hurt you this week could I, that I could clean up. And this is where we kind of dip into some steps. And this is where it kind of takes both people to get on board with the idea that your partner, I'm trying to think of how to word this. They do no wrong intentionally. Give them the benefit of the doubt. You're always going to give them the benefit of the doubt. They didn't do anything intentionally to hurt you. And so when we do air grievances, we usually start out by saying, I know you didn't mean this, Hmm. but there was this moment where I asked you to help me with the dishes. You were playing video games and you said yes. And 30 minutes later, you were still playing video games mm-hmm. and I did the dishes all by myself. You know, I know you didn't mean to hurt me, but that hurt my feelings. And then by saying that. Which, by the way, it's her playing video games and me doing the dishes. Yeah, No, I figured oh. I figured as much. <laughs> but when you when you start out the conversation by saying, I know you didn't mean to do this, it usually will 
ease your partner into not feeling so much on the defense. Like, okay, she's not calling me a horrible person. She's not assuming the worst intent in me. She knows I didn't mean this. So you can step back a little bit and not take it so personally. So that's one thing you can do to set your partner up for success in this is start out with, I know you didn't mean this, Mm -hmm. but this is something that hurt me. Love it. So do I get a transition in now? Yeah. (laughs) So one of my favorite quotes by Dr. John John Gottman, he's like the world's most famous marriage researcher on the planet. He's amazing. And he says, the purpose of conflict is mutual understanding. Okay, break, people, that, break that down a little bit because I don't think yeah I don't think that people on the surface of that are like what no you're crazy John Gottman <laughs> yeah so the the research is really interesting there's he one of the things he discovered is that in marriage there are two types of conflict there's resolvable conflict conflict that has a solution and then there's unresolvable conflict or perpetual conflict the conflicts that just keep coming up over and over and they never seem to go away mm-hmm. and if you had to guess Richie what percentage of your conflicts are unresolvable what would you guess. Uh, what percentage of my conflicts are unresolvable? Wow. Just, just in general, in marriage. Uh, uh, 25%. 69%. Are unresolvable? Unresolvable problems. They come up over and over and over again. Well, they they're, just a, they're just a product of two different separate people coming, coming together. together. Hmm. One is an introvert, one is an extrovert. And you're just always going to have introvert, extrovert problems. One's an early riser, the other one's a night owl. One's more tidy. The other one, you know, one has higher sex desire, one has lower sex desire. And there's always just going to be kind of the, these perpetual problems that are part of your relationship, regardless of who you're with. Roughly 70% of your problems you are essentially would just trade them then if you were with a different partner, exactly. it would still be 70%. You think you're going to be better with be a different, different partner? Not so much. Okay. You're going to have maybe a different set of problems, but still roughly 70% are going to be unresolvable. And what happens when you try and solve an unsolvable problem? You get frustrated. Frustration. Yeah. 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 If the problem has no solution and you're trying to approach it as a in a problem solving frame of mind of like we got to solve this problem. We got to solve the problem of you being an introvert. Yeah. Then basically what it turns into is I wish I was married to somebody else. Right. Or or that or that perspective that you always hear within relationships is the person was trying to change the other person. You yep. can't right. change the other person. Which is essentially saying like I would sure love our marriage a lot more if you were not you. Yeah. Like I, I I love you, but man, I'd love you a lot more if you were an extrovert. Like that's not love. Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's a selfish version of love. So that being said, because roughly 70% of your conflicts don't have a solution and you can't approach them with a solution or it's going to make the problems worse. The goal of conflict instead needs to be creating mutual understanding. And this is how you heal your partner is when you understand their perspective, their, their uh, thoughts, their feelings and their emotions you understand what, what's going through their head when they get hurt, that even though you didn't mean it, caused them pain. Mm-hmm. The moment they feel understood, the pain goes away. Hmm. It's amazing. And so the process that you go through is um, first, you just got to listen, like sit and, and ask them, like, tell me what that was like for you. Tell me why you're hurting. Tell me what's going on and just sit and listen. And, and if you ask questions, make sure that they're questions to help you get more details and really understand. And then the second, oh, go I, ahead. I was just going to say, I think that that's such a, a funny thing because we go, yeah, 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 listen. Okay, now what? As yeah. opposed to like really listening or we listen until we can go, oh, but that's not the thing. Oh, but you're yeah. not right. But that's, you know, and, and yep. that, that very much is not listening. Do you have a, a great way you sort of define that listening so that we know, hey, I'm actually listening, not just waiting for a chance to refute the other person? Yeah, honestly, a really good thing to do is get a notepad 
and take notes huh. and it will help you focus on what they're saying instead of what your response is going to be. Mm. And then the very next step it is, which is, this will help you with the next step. The very next step of the process is you repeat back as close to word for word as you can, what you heard them say. So if I'm understanding you correctly, the reason yep. why you were upset was because I chose to eat rice and you've put in all this effort to help us be healthy. And that seemed to just smack in the face of everything that you've done. Am I Perfect. understanding correctly? Exactly. Exactly. You're like born to do this. <laughs> Been in therapy for a long time, kids. <laughs> so the reason that you do this is twofold. So on the one hand, it shows that you're listening and that's a really good thing. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, I cannot tell you how many times I've repeated back to Angela and what she said to me. And she looks at me and she goes, no, that's actually not it. And the words that she's saying, like she's verbally processing her emotions. Mm. And so oftentimes the thing that the person thinks that they're mad about at first or hurt about at first isn't really the thing. And if you give them the chance to hear their words reflected back at them, it helps them create some clarity and kind of actually get to the real root of the thing. Hmm. So you're kind of playing therapist for your partner and just repeating, mirroring back to them what they say to you. So it makes you a good listener, but even more importantly, helps them clarify their thoughts and emotions. Let's take another break. And when we come back, yeah. we'll pick up the third step in this forgiveness process. Never, ever be spoken spoken before by Nate and Angeline Bagley from the Mormon Marriages podcast. They literally never have spoken forgiveness before this moment. We'll get back to that in the third block of the Cultural Hall. Imagine running a small business today. It's challenging. Imaging and internet presence is an absolute must. Even with that, you're still a small star in a bright cyber universe. Now, imagine you have someone who understands how to get your site designed for your talents and then easily searched by potential clients. Imagine Lennon Design. Whether it's strictly a website or a whole package of logo creation, advertising media, and promotional materials, Lennon Design is your partner in business. They'll test the boundaries of their imagination to create something unique for you. When you need creative, affordable design, let it be Lennon Design. Call 801-699-3022 or visit LennonDesign.com. Here in the third block of the Cultural Hall, do not forget that uh, if you want to recommend a great guest for the Cultural Hall, you can do so. Contact at theculturalhall.com or you can find us at the Cultural Hall on any of the social medias. Also, if you love this episode, you love other episodes that we've done, we'd love to hear from you. You can leave us a review wherever you are accessing this episode. Uh, make sure you do five stars. If you do one stars, you're kind of a jerk. Uh, and I guess it wouldn't be one stars. It would be one star you can actually leave a one-star review and say he doesn't even know how many stars are in one star. I digress. Right. We would love to hear from you. However you decide to interact with us, remember it's Richie, at the Cultural Hall. Do you know what would mean a lot to us? What would mean a lot to you, Nate? Is if they like this, if, if, if you're listening to this episode right now and you enjoy it, mm -hmm. leave a review and just like say that this episode in particular is one that you enjoyed. Okay. Like let us, we'll go, Angie and I will go look at the comments later uh -huh. and see if we can find our names in there. And it just always gives us warm fuzzies when people can, like let us know that what we're sharing might be helpful to them. So well, and um, people also can uh, can find you guys. It's the Mormon Marriages Podcast, which yeah. unfortunately named what with the thrust of President Nelson, it's hard to rebrand a podcast into the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints marriages. It's, true. it's very true. Plus, we have the alliteration thing. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll get around to it one day. But which members of the church, we love alliteration, right? Linger we longer, do. munch and mingle, Mormon marriages, <laughs> all the things. There you go. It was just too perfect. And then what happened? And then what happened? We got a new symbol, and now look where we are. Right. Uh, so uh, traded out Moroni for Jesus. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, not a bad trade, I guess. Not not a bad trade. Uh what's what's the next step? We we repeat back what the uh what our partner has said for clarification, yep. but it doesn't yep. end there. If we end there, we're still in the midst of a problem. You are. And uh the goal here is to get to the point where they say so you listen, you repeat back, and then you wait for them to say you got it. Okay, hang on. Can we stop real quick? I feel like yeah. There, this should be an acronym that we're trying to build towards. And yeah. I feel like listen is an L and then the next one is repeat back. It's an R. That's already not a word. <laughs> oh, so, man. We failed already. <laughs> I, so listen, this is your first time out with doing yes. uh, talks of Let's forgiveness. Let's find a better acronym. But we'll find a better acronym. So we listen, we repeat back. Sorry. Now the third one. Uh, and then you ask them if they got it. And if they say, so if I repeat, repeat back, it, just so you you beautifully did this earlier in the second segment. Mm -hmm. And if you had repeat, you had repeated that back to Angeline and then you say, did I get it? Mm -hmm. And she still had stuff that what she wanted to resolve or needed to feel understood. Mm -hmm. Then she'd say no. And then you go through the process again. Listen, repeat. Did I get it? Listen, repeat. Did I get it? Listen, repeat. Did I get it? Until she goes, yeah, yeah, I get it. Like I feel gotten. And in that moment, like it's crazy how it happens almost every time you can like almost visibly see the tension release and the real like oh okay i'm not crazy the validation hits of like thank you like thank you i feel so relieved and almost free of this the craziness that was in my head like i'm sure in that the story that we shared earlier angel angeline was probably like how does he not see that eating rice is like just such an insult like it's blatantly you know and i'm sitting there going how can she not see am i crazy or is she making way too big a deal out of this? Mm -hmm. You know, we're both so my. And the moment that that she could see me and my perspective and my thoughts, and that I could see her and step into her world and see the world through her eyes, it's like, oh no, I wasn't crazy. Good, okay. I love this man, or I love this woman because she understands me better than anybody else on this planet. Mm -hmm. So suddenly, this conflict becomes an opportunity for connection, where it's like. Nobody else in the world gets me like he gets me or she gets me. Right. Nobody else is willing to sit down and like journey into my heart and my mind and my soul and really try and understand life from my perspective. And you go from feeling like you're completely on an island where nobody gets what you're going through and you're so frustrated and angry and, and confused and hurt to being like the island becomes paradise hmm. because you're there with somebody who sees you and knows you and gets you and that you went you may not have felt safe around before, but now you feel safer with them than anybody else on the planet. So now let's, I want to take this a little bit deeper though, because I think for things like, Oh, he ate rice or he didn't help with the chores. I, I feel like this seems really applicable, but if it's like, Oh, he slept with somebody else. He yeah. has a problem with pornography. I don't think that this conversation, or maybe I'm wrong. I don't think that these, that this, this, uh, this simplistic conversation is going to, going to heal all. So what's the difference on some of those weightier uh, means of forgiveness? So I think with this conversation, it's like the little hurts that uh -huh. happen every day. Like Nate was talking to me earlier about death by a thousand paper cuts. You know, you just, you get these little things that happen over time and then it becomes this huge festering wound. But with those big things, you most likely need a third party, mm. a mediator to really help you to understand where your partner is coming from because there's there's times in our relationship where again the same things come up over and over again and we're just not we just can't get on the same page 
And that's usually when we'll book an appointment with our therapist Mm. because none of this is helping us get on the same page. So there is a point when you need a mediator. For sure. For some people though, I think that that, that's a difficult, um, that's a difficult step, right? Like once you go to the therapist, it means your relationship is sick and you Mm. have to, you have to have that, um, that awakenedness of like, there is something seriously wrong. You know, we don't go to the doctor when we feel well, we go to the doctor when we feel sick. And so I think for some, the hesitancy is, you know, they don't want to admit that they're in that bad of way. And, and, uh, yeah. and, and there are other hesitations too, you know, Oh, that person's going to side with the other person. Uh, I'm not going to be understood. It costs money, blah, 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 all those things. But there's a real hesitancy still, I think within, you know, church culture, to see a therapist yes yeah. what's, i agree we're talking to a nurse here so in your nursing experience what's it like when somebody has a problem and then ignores it a health problem so usually they end up coming to my hospital over and over and over again for the same chronic disease mm-hmm. when it's something that could have been prevented what's something that you've seen that they waited too long and you're like oh wow well i mean any chronic preventable chronic disease is one where there are things that you can do to manage it before it gets bad. And when it comes to therapy, I think this is a very necessary shift in mindset that needs to happen in our culture Mm -hmm. that, for example, you don't just go to the doctor when you're feeling sick, you should go for your wellness visits. Yeah, it's a good point. And what happens at your, at your wellness visits is they check your labs, they check your blood pressure, and they will alert you if there's a problem that you didn't know about. Now, the same thing goes with therapy. Um, if you are going for a wellness visit, maybe your marriage isn't in a bad place, but you're going for a maintenance checkup hmm. and they're going to check your labs and they're going to check your, the blood pressure of your relationship. And the funny thing is we'll, we'll make these maintenance appointments where it's like, Hey, we haven't seen Kate for a while. Let's make a, let's make an appointment. And things always come up that we can talk oh, about. We didn't know that was there yeah. that we weren't aware of. And the research shows that people wait six to seven years too late hmm. to go to therapy. Yeah. Most, it's really interesting research. So people will wait six years after experiencing an issue in their marriage that makes them miserable. Hmm. And they'll literally wait for six years before they go seek out help. And then at that point, guess what? They're on the brink of divorce. They're like, right. this is a last they're, ditch effort. And that's why therapy, the has, side a, of the Grand Canyon. therapy yeah. has a bad name because people wait too long. Right. Um, and therapy has a low, lower success rate than it should because people wait too long. Like if you break your arm and you let it fester for six years and then you go into the doctor and it's this swollen infected mess and you're like, save my arm. They're going to be like, there's nothing we can do. We got to cut it off. Yeah. You know? And, and sometimes that's what people do with their marriage is they just let it fester and get infected and get out of, you know, they let these make big mistakes and then don't deal with them. And, um, and then they come in and they expect a therapist to like, they're ashamed and they're like, our marriage is, is going to end and we just need help. And it's like, not a whole lot we can do at that point. But let me tell you, you become your therapist's favorite client when you come in and say, hey, we're doing great. We just want a maintenance checkup. Mm, they yeah. love seeing couples like that because it's so hard. It really is a hard profession to be to be constantly with people who are on the brink of divorce. It's hard. It's difficult. And so when you can finally be with someone who's like, hey, we're actually just really want to know mm. what we can do better. You instantly become some of their favorite clients. 
if you if you're like afraid of the whole therapist thing and it's like a, a sensitive issue maybe for your partner and they're like I don't want to do this and I think another thing that we've learned that is really helpful is um, a great marriage doesn't ever occur in a vacuum like great marriages consist more of just a husband and a wife working together there's always a support system in place there's a community of people for truly extraordinary relationships who, you know, they're surrounding themselves with other people who share common goals and desires and for their marriage to be awesome as well. And so one of the most important things to us is making sure that um, our friend group, like the people that we hang out, care about their marriages, Mm. that like the dudes I hang out with talk positively about their wives and don't complain all the time. Or that if they do have something to complain about, we don't just sit there and validate them. We also say, okay, now what can you do to go back and be a better husband? Hmm. And Angela, and I know she's the same way with her friends and the couples that we hang out with. They, they don't like, they don't drag each other down, man. They want good stuff for each other and for themselves. So if, if you're in a position where you're like, ah, our marriage could be better or like maybe we need a little injection of something positive, I would highly recommend taking a serious inventory of who you're spending the most time with. And if you're spending time with people who are negative about marriage or who criticize their partner or who complain a lot, who are always looking to find faults in their partner, I would highly advise you create some distance and start spending time around people who are more positive and uplifting and who have the type of marriage that you would want to have. Hmm. And just doing that can help infuse some health, healthy like language and mindsets and habits into your, into your own relationship. Yeah, I like that. I like that quite a bit, and it's something that I don't know that I've actually heard recommended from anyone before, right? Surround yourself with people yeah. who, even if you, even if at present you don't feel that way about your partner, but surrounding yourself with people who do feel positively about the idea of marriage, about their partner, it's, about their situation. It's powerful, man. There's this quote by Jim Rohn. He says, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Mm-hmm. And I believe that your marriage is the average of the five couples you spend the most time with. Mm. There's, a, there's a psychological principle called behavioral contagion. And the idea is that you mimic the behaviors of the people that you watch the most and spend the most time with. Mm-hmm. So when a celebrity takes their own life by suicide, if they die by suicide, you will always see a spike in suicides across the world because people copy the behaviors. I was talking to a guy a couple of months ago who told me that five couples on his street in his ward got a divorce within a year of each other. Yeah, I've heard that before for sure. It happens, you know, like there's a Pew Research study that shows that you are 75% more likely to get a divorce if a close friend or family member gets a divorce Hmm. within within like a year. And it's, it's crazy what happens. Like the people that you spend time with, their behaviors, their attitudes, their emotions are contagious. But it works the opposite way too. Like if you've ever, if you've ever like uh, gone to like maybe Swig or something to go get a soda, and the person in front of you buys your meal for you or your soda for you, and then you're like, oh, I should buy the meal for the person behind me, and then it turns into this train of like positive pay it forward kind of attitude. You see, like there's been news stories about people doing that at Starbucks and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like th- that stuff is real. It's the positive behaviors are just as contagious as the negative ones. Yeah. So choosing who you surround yourself with literally can directly impact the future of your relationship. I love it. You guys, our time has expired, but we get to the point of the three questions that we ask everyone who steps into the cultural hall. Angeline has never listened to an episode before. She says, what is this cultural hall thing? And Nate's like, listen, we'll just, it's date night, babe. Let's just do this. Saddle up. Let's do this. Uh, I'll ask the questions of you. Uh, The first one, uh, we'll go ladies first, Nate. Yes, uh, please. The first one is, do you have a calling right now? And if so, what is it? 
We do have a calling. We are the YSA ambassadors of our ward. Nice. Listen, we- guys, it worked for us. It can work <laughs> for you. Yeah. So right now what we do is we, because of COVID and we can't get together with anyone, we do a weekly marriage prep class on Sundays that we we do virtually. Well, that's awesome. What a great yeah, resource. Yeah. We just toss it up on YouTube and Facebook and people can stream, stream live and talk to us. Every and- Sunday at one o'clock mountain time and they can find they can find that a link to that via your facebook page mormon marriages cool yep Yep. uh the second question is if you could pick a calling either one that exists or make one up what would you pick is this me too uh yeah individually for both of you oh well i i love young women's i always love being in young women's and so that's always ideal but we actually asked to have this ysa ambassador calling cool this is kind of our ideal calling we really we're excited about it. So, so is that yours? Kind too, of in then, Nate? Yeah. If I could teach a marriage class every Sunday, that would be a dream come true. Right on. I think as much as we focus on the family in the church and talk about how it's like the center of the plan of happiness, we sure don't talk about it. Like how to be great husbands and wives and, and parents in Sunday school or priesthood and relief society as much as I think that we could. Yeah. And I would love to just do like a gospel course every Sunday on how to take the gospel and apply it to how to be like a stellar husband or a stellar wife. I love it. Uh, the last question. Are you ready, Angeline? This is it. The yeah. final question. You get to interpret the question however you would like, um, but you're going to have to go first. The question is, is what is your favorite part of your faith? My favorite part of my faith. I think right now that because faith for me has been this ever evolving thing, Right now, what I appreciate about my faith is the opportunity it's given me to grow and explore in ways that I never let myself before. So when it comes to faith, I I feel like I kind of was in a box for a while mm-hmm. where I, I only let myself think about faith as one specific way. But as I've gotten older, I've kind of taken off the top of that box and I've I've let myself explore and I feel like I'm learning that I don't know as much as I thought I knew in this little box mm-hmm. and I feel like I'm being exposed to whole new ways of thinking and believing and and viewing my relationship with God that has been really inspiring and even though I feel like I don't know as much as I used to it's really exciting to feel like the sky's the limit and there's so much more I can learn from cool. here on out Cool. That's kind of what I've been thinking about lately. All right, Nate, to you. Lately, I've been thinking a lot about um, the power of creation, not procreation, just cre- being able to create Let's, something. Listen, however, I mean, procreation <laughs> has creation as part of its reach. So I, I just love, I love that God introduces himself in scripture as, as the creator of everything. Mm-hmm. And then he basically installs in us this ability to create as, as humans. Like we have the ability to create so many amazing things from computer programs to works of art to buildings like they're like our our ability to create and be creative is just endless and i have been thinking a lot about lately how the most important thing that i can spend my time creating is who i am as a person and what our relationship looks like hmm. and when i'm really conscious about that and i'm using my choices to create our the life that we have and that i have together that's the one creation that I get to take with me to this next life. That hopefully that's my faith is that, you know, you don't leave with your shoes or your house or your money or anything else. You leave with yourself 
And in our, in our faith, we believe you leave with your marriage. And the only two things that I get to take with me in the next life are the relationship I create with Angela and the relationship I create with myself. And so that's like my ultimate creation that I'm trying to consciously work on right now. Cool. I love yeah. it, you guys. Uh, thank you so much for this discussion. I hope that uh, it has nourished and strengthened your body and that if you're not healthy enough to listen this week, that you will be healthy enough to listen next week and that when the time comes, you will be able to travel home in safety. In the meantime, we'll be saving a seat for you on the back row of the Cultural Hall. Save me a seat. It's sure to be neat. On the back row, we really gotta go on the Cultural Hall show.